0: Hello and welcome to a new episode of Monster, Dear Monster, a podcast where we explore monsters throughout history, from their folkloric beginnings to their modern-day incarnation. Today, it's me, your boy, Leonard i'm trying to make this real light because today's episode's going to be not this uh and i'm joined today uh by one of my co-hosts dave it's me i'm here and it's it's great to be
1: here <laughs> I, I don't know yeah the subject matter is not light at all but i uh we're not a humor podcast really
0: I, Unless we're unless we're watching garbage, uh, we're not. Yeah, a, a humor podcast.
1: Like I don't consider myself a funny guy, so <laughs> I just, uh, I I got nothing. Sorry, leaving you hanging there. That's fine. How are you doing today, Dave? Uh, I'm I'm doing all right. It's been a week, so it's nice to have the weekend be the weekend again. Uh, I don't. Um, I like having the weekend off. So, work schedule wise that's nice. that just means it leaves a lot of stuff that it kind of ends up being put on the to do list that couldn't get done during the week. um, the podcast not being one of those things this is this is a, a break from doing stuff, even though we're doing stuff. you know what I mean <laughs> uh, yeah, doing okay. uh Cameron will be back with us next week. He's hurt his foot, so oh, no everyone wish him well um it's He's thinking maybe it's just plantar fasciitis, uh, but it hurts to walk, so he's going to go get that checked out um, during the week. When he can. So send him, send him well wishes.
0: Yes, send, send, send our sweet boy Cameron. Uh, give him all of your energy. And uh, we will—he uh, will rejoin us uh, next week, hopefully, for more Castlevania coverage. Uh, but today we are not uh, doing Castlevania. No, 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 because that would be fun. Um, <laughs> today we are continuing with our coverage of the book *Electromancer* and other weird tales, uh, and uh, we will be covering three stories uh as as is our um <coughs> usual uh proceedings uh this uh and the three stories in question will be this fragmented body uh oh tele tele tellurian tele- Te- tele- facade there we go tellurian facade and film modet. uh and I guess we should just get into it uh and start <laughs> so, off with yeah right right you can you all can already tell
1: yeah so um these these three maybe slightly less so the third one um but I I think that we could, we will make a case for it um they deal with childhood and memory is is the through line i was picking up on um as like a subtext like there's yes. other stuff there's a lot of other horrible things going on but that's it's adults processing things that happened in the childhood through the lens of terrible stuff happening in adulthood maybe we'll see um as we go through fragment body for sure that that one's a little bit more ambiguous um uh, get to it because of course we're using the wonderful kindle version that's Never easy to move. Or, okay, I got it. So, of these, uh, we talked a little bit about um, it's this, It's Christopher Slatsky. His stuff is it's. He has his own voice. Um, we liken a few things to Lagotti, and if we're doing that, this story would sit in that space quite comfortably. I, I agree. A- as would film modded,
2: maybe.
0: Yeah, I I also agree with, with that as well. Um Yeah. Yeah, yeah so what, what uh I will do the
1: long and this actually. Um this fragmented body is uh it's centered on a a. Three, three characters. Um it's uh I almost said Leslie. It's another it's the other story. Um uh, Jared um it's Jared and then an older woman, Lucinda uh and then a Sophie, I believe, is the young girl. They're yes. all um they're all living in an apartment complex and all three of them uh are are missing a limb or like a foot they're, they're, they're missing some part of their body and that it's a main point but it's not like dwelling on it i i felt like it's not treating it any differently other than uh, kind of raising questions in jared's mind uh of of the the coincidence that he moves into an apartment complex where there's two other um, amputees, yes. Like, in there. Um, however, they do of all the people in the apartment, uh, of which we don't really meet anybody else. Um, they are the two that that tr- that uh, treated him and his partner uh, like welcomingly at the time. Mm-hmm. So he feels a connection with them. There's a, a power outage at night, and so he does go to check on. It's a, it's a elderly um, uh, mother uh, and a small child. It's sort she's, younger, she's like a younger, preteen teenager. Um, they're he's checking on them because they they live independently um, or are or caring for someone. So he was worried and decided to go check on them. Um, as the power was out and the the story itself kind of splits its uh, point of view between the three characters uh, giving the events of the short events of the night uh, and showcasing kind of uh, it's not really a fear of darkness um, but a a fear of the past uh, of of Events, terrible events that happened that none of them on their own, like, they weren't, like, responsible for it, but they may feel that way or they feel guilt. There's, like, a lot of things to unpack in, in each of their individual stories. But all right. of them deal with, uh, like a doll mm-hmm. in some form. Uh, and that's also what's, uh, potentially running around outside the apartment complex uh, playing in the street are, are small children slash toddlers slash dolls. Yes. The story like is framed to keep that ambiguous. Uh, I think the whole yeah. The,
0: they're never, uh, they're never explicitly seen. They, they are, uh, 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 shadows uh, uh flittering about uh in the dark and it is it is most of uh and not most but all of the characters involved are incapable of determining whether or not they are children like you said or or pr- potentially something else and as you mentioned it, it is left uh completely ambiguous as to whether or not they they are uh people children or dolls
1: yeah, and the story itself um, begins and ends um, with another point of view. So, I actually, I'm just going to read the, the introductory paragraph. hmm The doll places the porcelain figure back in the cabinet, closes the glass door. The dolls gaze lovingly at their benefactor, then shift their glassy gaze down to the sleeping boy. Their frozen lips slide into contented smiles. The child has been exhausted from a long day of swimming. His sleep is profound and unpopulated by dream. The doll touches the boy's hair and marvels at how soft it is, so unlike the cold, smooth surface of its own head. And it goes from there to present-day Jared. Um, He's in his Mm -hmm. mid-40s. And he is um, living with his partner, Mike. Yes. Yes. And they've been together since uh, the mid-80s um, when they were both when they both met in college uh, in kind of like the punk scene. Mm-hmm. And uh, they they're still I think they're, they're, they're together they're still in love with each other uh, but time has kind of worn away the edges of that so mm-hmm. there's there's their own kind of issues that they they work through um Jared himself as we mentioned he's he's missing um his one of his legs uh but that has like little to, that, that that's not um it's something that had occurred when he was a teenager uh and had always been the case when he was with Mike, mm-hmm. so that was never a point of contention. Um, that wasn't something that it maybe informed their relationship, um, but it wasn't something where Mike ever holds that against him. So there's no there's no feeling of um, like shame or uh, looking down, taking away someone's agency. Like everyone's capable in their own way. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're kind of just sometimes dealing with the ghosts um of memory and of their of their limbs uh in in a way that they've already like processed it they've had lives past that, and um, I, I think it summons it um some best when it talks um uh, about uh Sophie the little girl she's like she doesn't really even miss her arm. it was kind of like or Her hand, I believe, um, it was like a sacrifice that like
0: needed to be made at the time and mm-hmm. kept her alive. Yes, uh, and Sophie is also the only one of the three that doesn't wear prosthetic. Yeah, and
1: the uh, the the older um, the older woman had lost her foot uh, due uh-huh. to diabetes, I believe. Yes, yeah. So those. Those things are important because it it shapes how the characters are relating to everything, mm-hmm. uh, but it's not like a defining trait. Like it right. doesn't—they're uh, not using that as a shorthand for anything. It's, uh, yes. it's a weird
0: I'm, structure, like yeah, because we jump between each of the characters, um. um because since they all occupy this apartment building together, and uh, Jared is framed as the one going to check on Lucind and Sophie, uh, it jumps from his perspective at moments to either their perspectives, um, and it's interesting because uh, there are instances of of noise, of running that seem that it's possible that it is Jared, Sophie, or Lucind creating that sound, um, uh, and startling the other. Um, it's actually kind of weirdly like hammer horror-y in that way <laughs> with the narrative structure. Uh, but then each of the individuals uh also see uh these these glancing figure small figures uh, running about outside or down hallways, so on and so forth.
1: Yeah, and there's a lot of uh, sort of happenstance because Jared is leading the narrative. We're getting we get each section through the point of view of the char- uh, of the uh, individual characters, but Jared is interacting. Uh, this works. I am not say it works better in film, but it, it lends itself to mental imagery like really well um when it was mm-hmm. the, the description is very strong so when Jared is checking on the other two uh we get his perspective and then it switches and shows the events happening and Jared's uh, well-meaning intentions don't come across that way like they right. actually end up lend, uh, uh, adding an element of fear mm-hmm. Uh, oh, and, and it's that, um, per, it's that perception of shift that is sort of that, um, increasing the horror and tension.
0: Um, I think a you mentioned how this is uh, um, lends itself to imagery and probably uh, works more effectively in film or television. Uh, it uh, that reminds me of a lot of stuff from the. Uh, the Haunting of Hill House, um, the first, yeah, well, I mean, because Bly Manor the second one, so clearly <laughs> Hill House is its own thing. But uh, the way uh, that they play around with uh, perspective, uh, character perspective, and uh, recontextualize events later in that series um, to uh, make of something that was once very spooky uh, slightly less spooky. I think. Yeah, or they make it.
1: Uh, it ends up reframing it, and then it becomes sad because yeah. you realize what was happening. Uh, it is the intent. Like in this case, uh, the things that are scaring, or some of what is scaring, um, the the two women uh, are resulting from Jared's actions, uh, like uh, um, accidentally. <laughs> Like, it's just the sound of what he's doing when he's checking on them. It becomes, um, uh, otherized due to, like, the power being out. And, and mm-hmm. so- sound being the the main way you can, like, identify things or try right. to identify things. And, and his, um, the bits of his relationship, uh, with his partner that have kind of crumbled a little uh are they've set him on edge he's not in a great headspace to begin with so when he's checking on them he's unintentionally um his inflection and his behavior is probably scarier than his intention is he's, he's right actively like good intentioned checking but he he, like, he calls himself out on it. He's like, oh, I realized I was kind of sounding terrifying when I'm just, you know, saying someone's name through a door. It's like, I don't mean to scare anyone, but that's just how it came across. He's mad at something else.
0: Which I think is a um, good,
1: um, that's, that's a good thing to have the character recognize or, or to, to, like, have called out. hmm So when I was reading this story, uh, or at least the beginning of it. Um, I, my, my main concern or my, my thoughts weren't even on the story. They were on how you were going to be taking what was going on. I feel like my relationship to this tale is decidedly going to be quite different than yours. Like how you would, especially particularly Jared. Mm <laughs> hmm yeah yeah. <laughs> like I mean, you, you, you understand what i'm like I, oh yeah I, I, i'm going to relate to this a lot less than i think you are <laughs> uh-huh yeah so um. in, in hindsight i or uh, not even hindsight but as i was going i'm like was this maybe not and not a comfortable story at all it takes <laughs> to look into like the first like hey we're gonna get back to christopher slatsky and then look i picked the worst possible
0: <laughs> story no, this one, this one was, is is interesting. Um, there's uh, like there's there's not explicit overlap with my own personal life. I, so, sorry, listeners, I'm gonna talk about me for a little bit. I know that's not what you really come here for. I'm joking. I'm I'm kidding. I know you. None of you care. Um, I just think it's I I I. It's always interesting when because um, I don't need a, a direct analog to relate to a character um, um because i i lived in a time before there were direct analogs for character uh direct analogs from from me to characters so i'm pretty good at that um jared is is interesting because it once again uh he lost his leg as 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 a teenager um he was uh i believe it was some form of cancer yeah uh, and he he it, this is all taking place in in the 80s uh and he became like a, a, an artist like a a very like at least at the time like a very recognized um queer artist uh and and was very successful at it and as Uh, things in the art world go, uh, that star slowly faded, so now he's even though he's in his, simply in his like 40s, he's already kind of hit the pinnacle of his success, and now he's in this you know comfortably inert relationship uh, with, with Mike and they they snipe at each other and there's like a bit of animosity, but it's not, it's not hatred or contempt. It's just kind of like the acceptance of, um, man, the, the high times were real great, but those days are behind us. And I think that there's just a, there's a, a seething resentment uh below that. So, you know, having a character that is is a a a uh, black queer artist is a, a refreshing, uh super nice to see in media. Uh, uh but also is far enough removed away from me personally that it's, it's not, it wasn't like traumatic or awful to read. It was just like, Oh, that's nice. That's a nice change. I'm glad that, that they, that Christopher Slatsky made that decision to make this character, the character that he is. And, you know, once again, uh, uh, there's that whole, uh, punk scene, uh, which once, uh, you know, especially in the 80s, and I believe in, like, I believe they specifically mention New York, so I'm going to assume that the story takes place at least somewhere adjacent to the East Coast, so you know, the punk scene in the 80s with, like, a a black queer character is, is just very, very fascinating. Um, and I think I think Jared in his own weird way compared to Lucind and Sophie has probably like, and I'm not trying to do a a um like trauma Olympics uh, comparison thing, but compared to Sophie and Lucind, I think Jared probably has the least traumatic history. Honestly, um and uh yeah i think yeah, that, that, that's it, the way it's framed um and uh uh it's it, it, which you know uh, makes it makes sense that he's the one going to check on these two other characters um you want to get into uh i think we should probably like just discuss these individual characters uh uh, traumas before we we, you know, uh, barrel to the end of of this particular tale. Yeah, and I because uh, that's what this is
1: about. It's right, memory and trauma and dealing with that. Because the 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 bookend narrative of this is something else, right? And and ultimately. I feel that it like doesn't cheapen the trauma, but it it puts it in a place where it doesn't matter as much, and that's kind of like a disservice to what these characters have gone through. I, I guess, and, and I think that, that that's an interpretation, so i I will I will save and explain that when we get to the end of it. Okay, because good. that's going to be uh, my read on it, and that's why we do this <laughs> because <laughs> these are open to interpretation quite. Quite widely, I think.
0: Yeah, because I had a different interpretation uh, of this, and I suppose that I'll, I'll hold on to that once we get into to that aspect of of the the finale of this tale. Um, yeah. Uh,
1: so, so yeah, we'll, we'll 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 put a pin and come back to that. Um, Lucind's character, um, she is a, a grandmotherly. Um, character, her, she has, um, early onset of dementia and, uh, her, her daughter had passed away, um, some years ago. And it's something that Lucind, uh, she holds some blame to herself for maybe not being as firm. It, it's a situation I think that the, you can't really put blame. It, it's like you don't want to victim blame, I think is what it boils down mm-hmm. to. So Lucinda's daughter was in her early twenties, late teens, early twenties and fell into a relationship with an abusive and uh drug addled boyfriend. Yes. And Lucind. uh, kind of i think was cutting her daughter off because of that there was a resentment of uh, letting her daughter do her own thing and telling her that it was not a good thing but then like that was the extent of the action she took mm-hmm. uh, and that's a hard call for any parent or anyone that's that has those things um uh family members involved in that like it's it's I've dealt with things like that, so it just becomes, um, you don't want to play, like, the blame game. It's, it's difficult. Uh, I- anyway, um, her daughter ends up passing away and leaving Sin on her own, um, dealing with those memories, but those memories are, like, she's losing them. hmm Uh, and she's still trying to take care of herself, but that, I think, is becoming more and more of a problem, too. Simply because it's, it's very difficult to take care of your, to yourself in older age, and also be losing your memory. Uh, right, there's just a lot of issues you know, safety wise uh, with that. So her story uh, can be like that. That's the thing: is all of these individual tales can be relatable on a certain level. Um, had you have family or it could be personally relatable on on, on on some level, but uh they're all uh disparate. Like each of <laughs> them aren't the same kind of traumas. Right. The only shared trauma between the three of them it would be the loss of the limb.
0: Yes. Um uh so the i think the the interesting thing with lucen from my perspective is um there so she is a she is a she is also a highly religious woman um yes. so there's she has the pain of uh having warned her daughter about falling in with into this relationship with uh her, uh, her daughter's boyfriend, who is named Tony, I believe, uh, who uh, gets her addicted to where she becomes addicted to heroin and later overdoses. And Lucind uh, has a bizarre, smug sense of satisfaction of having told her daughter that this wasn't the uh, right route for her to take. And also a a bizarre... Resentment towards God, because since she is so religious, the I and that if she's so religious and if this is all part of God's plan, then the death of her daughter, she can't be mad about the death of her daughter, because that's what God willed and uh there is there's and that's that's messed up and can do real uh harm to one's mental health and as the dementia begins to uh set in, she simply uh gives away or throws out all of the things relating to her daughter in the hope that she will just forget that she ever had a child at all because yeah it's (laughs) there she's
1: she's forgetting it physically and then removing any chance of like something that could trigger memory potentially so she's like erasing her daughter right uh, or or mentally and physically Uh, so i have that passage actually pulled up um i will i will read it um uh when Lucinda was diagnosed with Alzheimer's, she donated the baptismal doll and everything else that reminded her she'd once had a child of her own, but there was still a phantom indentation on the bed from the doll's weight. Beneath her sorrow lurked an ugly current of smug piety. She'd warned Maria that the boy was no good. Tony had no job, no education, no future. A thug who wasted his days getting high with the gangs that ran in the neighborhood. Lucind couldn't hold back tears at her callous judgment, but need the need to lash out and blame anyone other than the person responsible overwhelmed her. How could a loving God allow her precious child to die while her worthless murderer was alive and well in prison? Surely God had guided every aspect of the tragedy, so her questioning his decisions felt immoral, blasphemous even. And that's that's that segment in a nutshell. Yep. Um, yeah. yeah. So it's hard. as uh, hard as coming from I, um, we have Alzheimer's and um, other dementias like in our family, immediate family history. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's something that's always on the cusp of like any of my immediate family's mind um, as we get older, and uh, um, even just like. Personally, I um I can lose track of like names for like things that should be easily recallable. Um, but it's just right. always been that way. Where I've tried to think of the name. I have to like give things other names because I do not I cannot recall like what it's supposed to be called. Um but mm-hmm. but it's just it's it's been that way since I was a child. So I don't put anything extra on that until as I got older I see relatives like start to kind of slip away and then all I can do is like is it it's is it like this and then it just gets worse right like like it's like that's the only way I can kind of conceptualize it so these kind of stories and this sort of this particular monster um this this memory eating thing uh is close to home to me uh, right. and it it holds a a valid, like, real fear. So when I see characters like this, uh, it's there's some empathy going on, but there's also like a related relatability going. Like, I I get what it's like because I've seen that with relatives too mm-hmm. often. Uh, and it just becomes, like, a personal thing. So that makes the horror of these moments, like, more palpable to me. Right. And then adding on, like, the the strong religious background, um, that's... Some of my family can be, but that's less... Uh, I don't hold to that as much like at all. So that part of it, I understand. Uh, like I, I get why that would happen and like right. what that brings to the table, but that part doesn't become like a fear. Like, right. That's not the, the the boogeyman or the bed to me.
0: It, yeah. It's, it's, <clears throat> excuse me it's intellectual as a fo- as, as opposed to being like an emotional reaction to it like you understand the processes that lead to that but it's it's you're so far removed from it that it it doesn't really apply or affect you personally
1: yeah exactly and i think that that's also a reason um uh you know there are three hosts on the podcast but um we don't cover uh possession stories very often like mm-hmm. we, we did with um uh, Zeri Sin, uh the the um dab films with yes. the jin like yeah, they had yeah, some it of is. it but that was um that was a little different because it wasn't a christian demonic possession like it's not like the right. exorcist or right the exorcism emily rose um one thing that we i i um i mentioned the alzheimer's and dementia so uh two films uh three i think there's three films that i i wanted to maybe put into like a cover all three of them um there is the the testament of rosalind lee i believe is the mm-hmm. film uh and then um Ooh, now I've forgotten the name of the <laughs> I, I, I don't remember a, the name of the uh the old lady
0: Is it the uh taking of Deborah Logan?
1: Yes, yes, taking of Deborah Logan and then the third one is um uh
0: the, the relic? The relic? Uh yes, yes. Uh which I have I I actually have seen and is it's quite good. Yeah, uh, no, all three of those just... are
1: fantastic and fit together as a, like a meditation on dementia aging and you can put a bit of creepy in there too. <laughs> right right so yes um as a as a bookmark for something in the future because we're always we're, we're we're busier than we think we are for stuff we have planned to cover uh there's far more things than we have time to cover i think is boils down to but um those have always been on like the back burner uh Mm -hmm. and maybe um because we've been tangentially talking about things like that uh we can we can move those up um a little closer to something um coverable uh, this year uh listeners let us know (laughs) please like send us if you would like to hear um an episode on that uh Give us some feedback and I'll uh, maybe I'll throw a, a poll or something if We don't, we haven't done a poll in forever. We used to. <laughs> Where are we at, Sophie?
0: Sophie, at we means. are at Next,
1: Tell us about Sophie.
0: Uh, uh, apparently, so Sophie listens, uh, is, <coughs> is a teenager, I believe so, yes, like a young, uh, 14. and and, li- and listens to to to. Uh, bad dubstep according to Jared. Um but uh as as we mentioned she's the only uh character in the story who doesn't wear a prosthetic. Um uh, uh it's it's also worth mentioning that um I think aside from Jared Lucind and Sophie both have well I guess the uh Jared's doll, they all have dolls they they their all their um uh, their stories are uh have feature a doll um I can say maybe Jared's doll uh is his artwork uh, possibly even himself because i do believe that uh one of his uh one of his prosthetics it, it was deliberately fashioned to be a porcelain leg um but sophie had a doll named Harold uh i believe uh named after her father yes. uh who died uh in a car accident when a drunk off duty policeman in his cruiser uh T bone. Head on? It it I yeah, think it started he, off. He has a T bone collision.
1: Okay. Or uh, it it slid because it went into their truck or their car and the, the the grill of the officer's car is what like burnt her hand off. Like it, it yeah. burnt it to where they had to, to amputate it. Amputate it. Uh, or it crushed it or something. But it killed her father like instantly. Or yeah. thirty minutes, he, he didn't last much longer than the, the accident. But yeah, his he, um, his f- face and his comportment when it hit him uh, imprinted itself on her like psyche as like a doll. Yeah, and, because
0: he was ragdolled, like literally, and and yeah, and looked uh, like a uh, uh, an abandoned ventriloquist dummy. Um, yeah. From the description of his the his eyes uh indicating the the head trauma that eventually led to his death noah uh, no's there we go thank you um she she gets the the least out of it um the like like her her story's terrible and traumatic, but it's also the slightest. Um, simply, and I wonder if that's simply because she has. If it's just that she was so young when it happened, and the acceptance of of yes, I I this terrible thing happened to me, but I lived. Um, and if uh, the yes. price of living is losing my my hand arm, then so be it. Yeah, that that was her.
1: Um, she she mentally attributed that loss of her hand as the sacrifice made to like continue living, right. Um, and, her, her, so, and her father's death is is that weighs on her more than the loss of her hand. Mm-hmm. Um, and although and, although she does she does have um, it do, it doesn't say if it's. She's dealing with her mother taking care of her mother who who can't take care of herself for unknown reasons uh so that's her struggle, but she also has um I don't remember what it's called, but she pulls her own hair out and she can't stop well, mm, right plucking her hair mm. so she has that, and that's more troublesome to her than
0: the loss her. right uh and it's it's actually probably um uh, her mother's probably a, a non-functioning alcoholic uh, because at uh, one point, a sound uh, uh, alerts her and she just naturally assumes that it's an empty wine bottle. Yeah.
1: So that that's like the current setup of each of the three characters. We don't get more development than that. Um, just no. that the nature of the short story doesn't like... Give room for it, um, and the rest of it is Jared stumbling around in the dark, trying to. Uh, he, he's un- unsuccessful, actually, in contacting either Sophie or lucin Like he doesn't, he, he doesn't wait long enough, uh, mm-hmm. or he's rather distracted by the things outside. They all are, and uh, when he goes outside, he doesn't see. He finds like, like a doll shoe. Um, But then he sees lights on. There's there's power out in the city. Mm -hmm. It's all dark. Uh, And he sees a light on in room 303, I believe. Yes. Um, Mm -hmm. As do both Lucin and Sophie. Like, independently, they're seeing this um, apartment light up. And so they Mm -hmm. go, each of them, to go check on it, uh, kind of one after the other, without the knowledge of... of, uh, the
0: other three. Right. Uh, And this is where we get to the climax, which is the uh, weird part. So, uh, you said that you had some thoughts on this. Um, So, how about you set this ending up and we discuss it from there?
1: Sure. Uh, I will just to the end to read the last bit, the, the bookend of this. Um, so the bookend of it is the doll places the porcelain residence back on the shelf in Jared's grandmother's room. The doll brushes their hair, straightens the silk blouses, shuts the glass door, and steps back to watch the young boy Jared stay peacefully. peaceful. So to me, taking everything's been kind of face value throughout this. Mm -hmm. Like, there's you're dealing with trauma and everything. Um, So, Jared and the others—they're that's where this is kind of Lagadian because they may or may not like exist as people, Right. right? But just as dolls. Uh, as in things with no will of their own, but a plaything of the gods, like that kind of aspect. And uh, that, they are the dreams of a young boy. Like, this didn't happen, except for in his dream, where it's like the the, the idea of you you slept, and then you dreamt a whole lifetime, and then you woke up. Uh, that's kind of where I sit on this. And then you have to figure out the context of the of the doll that is mm. um playing with this. It's um all I could think of really was hereditary, actually. <laughs> I was thinking of the doll of this house that's like in all of its residences. Um that or uh even the dollhouse in um uh, y Manor, actually. Mm -hmm. that was a one-to-one kind of of fly manner and the dolls in there were the people right and the ghosts Mm -hmm. so that's where this kind of sits and it's a little bit nebulous because it's it's you can't just say oh it's uh it's a boy dreaming of this stuff and then he'll wake up and then it's gone because then what what does that make the doll <laughs> and right. the, the doll house that has these residents in it? And the, the, the bit that would be a little weirder, um, is it does explain when Jared enters room 303, uh, that all of the the tenants are like strapped down to tables and, um, they're surrounded by mirrors that enhance their own fears and flaws. Like, f- the mirrors are angled to focus on um, th- this collection of doll parts that-, that line up with whatever that person has lost. Mm-hmm. Or, like, what they're worried about. Um, so, I, I-, I just... I- I- wouldn't know where to begin to like psychologically unpack what that's doing because mm-hmm. that's that's a lock uh on top of trying to go well if it's the, the the whole is orchestrating all of this it gives it um uh gives it a silent hill three vibe with Valtiel, who's going around and turning all the gears in the nightmare world, but a, a, he's trying to be reborn through Heather, mm-hmm. and this kind of feels like that, like not the not the birthing a god part, though. right? That's a, that's a step too far, but some some unknowable entity manipulating reality. To, to torment people because it thinks it's fun. Mm-hmm. Or a child who's playing with dolls and whatever they're enacting, um, can be uh, a reflection of their own reality that they're just revisiting on, uh, action figures. And Jared already has like a lot of stuff going on under the hood because it wasn't just uh um, it wasn't just the loss of his leg. So I think this is the story where his sister drowned. Was <laughs> it his sister? yes, yes? Okay. This, this so <laughs> I had to like I had to un- I had to unpack. I def- remember if that was in one of the other. Okay, that's this one. So. The trauma he's dealing with isn't only the loss of his leg at a young age, um, but if this is childhood, Jared, he didn't even lose his leg yet, potentially, but he did lose his sister, who he blames himself not being strong enough because he saw her drowning, and then just, like, was too scared of the deep water to go grab her, Mm -hmm. because she was swimming, I think they are in a lake, um, with his other sister, who just doesn't pop up again. Um, and if that's the case, that guilt is this dream, uh, because the doll says he's tired from swimming all day, so he could technically be, this could be taking place in the evening of him losing his sister. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a lot. So that, that's the, that's the best I can do with like what this is putting on the table. So let me know what you
0: thought of what do you think's going on Good so uh, yeah so <laughs> th- so the uh, i kept focusing on 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 the doll and the doll's possible motives um so you ascribe something sinister to the to the mirrors um uh like as a sinister intent like that they were torturing people but there's there there's an aspect to me that makes it feel like the, that this doll is making a, a concerted effort to fix uh these broken people like one would do with bro- a broken doll um yeah i i'll interject and i don't want to stop you
1: um <laughs> that's not uh I forgot that Jared calls that out. Like oh, does he? he, he, he
0: yes. I forgot that Jared calls that out.
1: <laughs> he, he calls it out, um, because his, his, um, his partner falls asleep saying that all the children have mirrors, which, which that's also what, um, put me in the mind of this not happening like it's, mm-hmm. it's it's the doll is orchestrating things to make the kids forget their like they' it's 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 hiding their traumas through the guise of like doll parts mm-hmm um, but here's the line where uh, where it's, it's uh, Jared and he said he's in he's in the the strange apartment in, in 303. Um, the ceiling felt too high, the floor too close. Jared was submerged in deep waters, looking up at a sky distorted by a rippling surface. Sarah's face, that's his sister, occluded the sun. He reached for his long dead sister. His hand brushed against her flesh, ice cold and smooth in death. I'm done. I give up. All he had to do was open his mouth and breathe in the past give up. But that meant he'd never see Mark again. A tranquil sorrow, deep, dull and deep, numbed his anger until all that remained was longing. The doll's fingers gripped his wrist. It spoke in a voice that coated the inside of Jared's skull. All the children have mirrors. Jared woke up to bed. Um, so, it... It's putting Jared in this space like Jared's this child that's dreaming and he's living this life which may not be the most fulfilling but there's still there's still love and acceptance in it mm-hmm. um and there's there's some loss but he's like learned to move on and this c- could be the doll instilling a coping mechanism into this child who's like literally just lost his sister, and who, helping him move forward in that sense is another way to read it so yeah i i I stuck that in, but that's the part where he's acknowledging that like he could uh he he sees what the doll is doing. And it's not bad, but he doesn't. It, it it would it would make him lose what he has. Dream right. Jared, like that would negate Dream Jared's existence. Again, like he would just be stuck in that loop.
0: Yeah, I I, I think <laughs> it it's so so yeah. I was I was uh uh to to get back to. To to my read, it. So the thing that that makes it that doesn't make this line up completely is the fact that it ends with uh, a child Jared uh, asleep in the bed in his grandmother's room, um, while this dream doll Jared is is placed in 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 a container. There's there's the aspect of hey, listen this sucked, the world broke you, uh, the world, life, and circumstance broke you. I can just make that all go away. Uh, you'll just be a doll. Um, but once again it doesn't line up exactly because there is a child Jared in the bed. It, it 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 was it was a dream has for for many years now has always been a really unsatisfying conclusion for any piece of media uh for me um and so that might just be me really railing against that 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 being the actual interpretation of this. Uh, Granted, it's so open-ended, I think, that it's deliberate that you can read into all of these things. But it it feels like, hey, you know what, like, life sucks, life's hard, you're all broken toys, and I can fix you if you just relinquish, like, your desire to go on. Let me strap you to a journey, let me fix you, and I'll put you on a shelf somewhere, and everything will be just fine. Um, I, I don't know. It's, like I said, that's what I got from it, um... But.
1: yeah there's a um there's a doll uh maybe it's a worry doll okay yeah, well this isn't exactly what i'm looking for but i don't think it's remiss so worry dolls uh uh in the dolls original guatemalan tradition a local legend about the origin of the um, muñeca uh, in the reverse to a mayan princess the princess received a special gift from the sun god which would allow her to solve any problem a human could worry about in traditional and modern times worry dolls are given or lent to brooding anxious or sorrowful children they would tell their doll about their sorrows fears and worries then hide it under their pillow before going to sleep at night It is said that the child relinquishes their worries to the dolls during the night and by the next morning all sorrows are said to have been taken away by the worry doll and they can move forward refreshed the next day. That feels kind of like what these dolls in the dollhouse are are um, Mm -hmm. but taking to like a more literal level. Right. And there's another doll that I was trying I do not it's it's not, um, it's from another, it's from an island. Um, they're like, a, it's, I want to say Bonobo, but it's a monkey. Um, <laughs> it is a doll where I think that, I think you write something and put it in its belly. Um, and then it, it makes that go away. But that could be like a curse where it goes and kills the thing. I <laughs> I get them mixed up a little bit. This is this is a little bit more, I think, on the nose of what these dolls might be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's taken all of the trauma and um, anthropomorphized it, like put it, given it a, a life of its own, uh, to take that away from child Jared. Um, but in doing so, uh, the, the, the dream slash doll Jared, um, uh, doesn't want to cease existing. Like it, it, he's infused with the life and doesn't want to let that go because he's now lived 30 years, you know, not literally, but, um, I, you could go that way with it too. Yeah. Like like <laughs> he, he's, he's served a specific purpose to save child Jared from this trauma but in 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 becoming that uh he's had his own life and experiences maybe yeah <laughs> this, this is not an easy tale to like unpack so i think i sit somewhere on that fence
0: yeah, I, I think, I think your own, uh, one's own personal interpretation of, of this ending is probably going to be, um, far more beneficial than, um, anything that we can suggest, and it is certainly open-ended enough that, that, um. Unless you're going with something completely wacky and not based on anything presented in the story uh is not out of the realm of possibility for um what is going on yeah, exactly um, uh, I think that I think that wraps up that story that it took us an hour to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Right. I just realized that myself. Um it, it it once again I think it's the densest because it's dealing with so many characters uh and yeah. and their own individual themes and, and I mean once again Sophie's Sophie's uh trauma is is the least explored and and the least traumatic. I'm using big air quotes. Uh, there by virtue of the way that she reacts that it it's it's once again it seems like even maybe even Christopher Slatsky thought that it was a little too dense and needed to to thin it out a bit <laughs> uh but yeah that one that's 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 the tale
1: <laughs> yeah uh so that brings us to tale Two, tellurian facade uh this one's also about childhood
0: and trauma and repressed memories uh Uh, and and also uh underground cities it's it's very uh, clark ashton smith yes uh in fact, uh in uh, after reading this, uh this feels like a very good companion to a, an earlier story uh in the book. Uh the ocean is eating our graves, the story about uh, the Native American professor returning to uh his home reservation and discovering that surprise that you know um uh <laughs> there are Lovecraftian creatures living uh, in the ocean that will uh, eventually flood, uh, cause the flooding of the world. Uh, and this is feels like that on a smaller familial scale. Yeah. And
1: it's very strange because the supernatural elements like didn't need to be there. Like, the story's mm. kind of horrible enough without that. And then you yeah. add that in there and go, okay, now. It's, if you want an existential crisis, here's that. <laughs> like, on a plate. Um, there's also, there's a film. And, uh, let me pull that up. I
2: think I.
1: Nope, I, I pulled up the wrong Japanese word. So, there's a film called Maribito, um, and it is... Why is this not film? film? Film. I love how there's multiple entries, but they don't... Uh, so it's a uh, it's a film directed by Takeshi Shimizu, and this was from two thousand four. Uh, Shimizu has done all kinds of things, but um, most notably, he did the Grudge series. Ah, oh right, and and a few just a bunch of horror like directed video films, but um, Marubito uh, also it. Uh, stars um, Shinya Tsukamoto who's another fantastic director but it's about a man who is trying to discover fear like the root of fear Mm -hmm. Uh, and he ends up finding a an underground passage um, in the subway um, down to uh, Agartha where it's like the, the world under the world where the, the Deros live um, and he finds mm-hmm. a, a girl, um, that ends up not being human, um, and tries to like learn from her by keeping her changing this apart. There's the a movie. lot going on in that movie. Um, yeah, right. <laughs> but yeah, it, uh, it, it's, it's dealing specifically with uh, Richard Sharpshavers, uh, a warning to future man and the idea of the hollow earth theory uh those ideas are what kind of inhabits the the fringe part of and facade and facade Tillurian just means of the earth like uh, earthian, um and yeah mm. facade so it's it's the a facade of an earthling um or or a human. Uh you could attribute that both to what's happening and then maybe to uh, um, uh Ian's Ian's main character, his um, father. So his mm-hmm. his father um was a Vietnam veteran and uh was a tunnel rat. So those are the the guys that went down into like the um the the original Viet Minh and Viet Cong um, tunnels and had to like either assassinate people or collapse the tunnel or go go look for um you know military secrets and things. <clears throat> so after the war he came back and decided that he was uh changed by his experiences and couldn't fit in with like regular civilian life so moved um moved himself and his family out to the countryside to kind of it's it's that uh survivalist kind of mentality he has a small farm um but he's he's trying to make it to where like they could uh, ward off um Invasions by the Russians or something—it's—it's it's just like a weird setup for, for his dad. He's becoming paranoid. Uh, and Ian himself, uh, we find out, uh, he, he's grown in return because he's—he's he's come back to the farm um, on the occasion of his father's death to um, to to go to the funeral service and then um, take over the, the farm. Yeah, I'll settle everything, and the, the, the lands were left to him and his brother and sister. Um, so he's dealing with that, dealing with the past. Uh, their father was abusive, uh, so he's un- trying to unpack that, too, because his <laughs> siblings like just gloss over it in a terrible, not constructive way. Um, he's also non-constructive. He, he, he was incredibly not not constructive. He was as, very as damaged well. by his his upbringing, and you you can see why. But it's he's trying to face it um, head on in a way that's like not helping really. And yeah, he, 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 he it's also not helping that he's probably an alcoholic. There's a lot going on. Um, no one no one is blameless in this and. Um,
0: most certainly not the father but with 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 the exception of possibly their mother who seemingly died under mysterious circumstances or at least circumstances that are never addressed directly in the story we know that she was alive when they moved there and we know that at some point she died and had her ashes uh uh, sprinkled over a part of the the land that they own.
1: Yeah, and um, maybe the only other blameless person is um, the hired hand uh, mm-hmm. uh, that tells um, he's still working there. He's like he, he was there when the, the Ian and his brother and sister were kids. So it's like twenty years later, he's still there helping the father. Um, and weird stuff's been going on around. Uh, there's been, um, the animals have been, some of the animals, the cows have been slaughtered. And mm-hmm. it's to do with things that are, that have killed them and were holding lights. And Ian, t- cause, so all of the exchanges between Ian and the um, hired hand are in Spanish uh, and it's not translated and it's, uh, I can kind of read it, um. So, that part is um it's it's intentionally obfuscated a little bit if you're just an english reader uh but it's it's explaining the weird events going on, and um Ian understands it enough, and then we get the explanation kind of in his replies mm-hmm. Uh, but he, he's misunderstanding uh, the the hired hand, the helper. That like he's he's thinking, oh, it's so poachers or somebody with lanterns are coming up because he's like trying to understand. His Spanish isn't as great as he as it could be, right? Uh, and he, he 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 calls that out on himself. So he's like, yeah. We, we. For the family, like on my mom's side, I should be able to like speak Spanish better. But you know, so the reader is kind of given that uh, you're getting partial understanding based on his partial understanding, um, unless you can read the Spanish <laughs> you know, better. better. Um, but basically, uh, weird, weird murders are going on. The hard hint it just is not comfortable. He doesn't want right. to be there. He can't really deal with it, and he's also trying to deal with now his boss is dead, and what you know, there's a lot going on. Um, but not only had Ian dealt with, um, he's as a kid, he also was like trying to process. What his father had been versus what he became, like he acknowledges that his father was maybe like a good man at some point and then just went off the rails mm-hmm um but he idolized some of his father's tales because uh, he himself uh wanted to create a um a tunnel fort, mm-hmm, like probably like the stuff his dad was telling him about, you know back in Nam. Is it, you know his his harrowing experiences became adventures i think to um Ian so he had he had kind of tried to build this l- labyrinthine fort out in the woods but um he's not an engineer, so it just kind of like it it just collapsed the first time it like rained badly yeah um, and then flooded <laughs> and flooded and he had hidden you know he had put his comic books in. Stuff in there, and he's like, "Oh, what a what a loss!" You know, those would have been cool to see those things again, but it's just been sitting in the muck for 30 years. Um.
0: um so, uh, yeah, yeah, I had I I had forgotten that uh, that Ian's father had been a tunnel rat uh, in Vietnam. So, so it only- doesn't
1: um, it doesn't tell you that specifically. Um, what it does tell you is he, uh, Ian, has his dad's Vietnam Zippo lighter. Right. And the Zippo lighter says, non gratum anus uh which is the Latin motto of the tunnel rats saying, not worth a rat's ass. I just had to look it up. Uh-huh. I and am planning on looking that, it up. That, <laughs> that phrase is specifically the motto of the tunnel rat, so that his father was a tunnel rat, if
0: he had the um rat. So given that the story is dealing with hollow earth uh things that his father was a tunnel rat uh that something traumatic happened in Vietnam uh well you know other uh, obviously um there's an aspect to this of of Ian's father probably encountered something underground and eldritch uh, uh as we've been talking i've been thinking more and more of the uh hp lovecraft story the mound um yep. with, uh and it's and because when he came back and moved the family there uh moved his family out into like the woods for their farm uh it was like nuclear war g- uh gas prices iraq uh, uh or the middle east and also how there were What, just um, like there were tunnels uh, to passages to deep parts of the world and blah, blah, blah. And I think that Ian's father had some kind of horrible underground, like actual underground experience with, you know, tribes and peoples and societies. While he was in Vietnam, and when he came back, he came back completely and utterly broken, but it was just assumed that it was due to the trauma of being involved in the Vietnam
1: War. Yeah, and it says his health, um, I think his health was failing and it wasn't explained, but when you go to look at any articles on the tunnel rats, it, it calls out specifically that a lot, of, uh, a lot of the tunnel rats were exposed to Agent Orange um, in the soil. Mm -hmm. so there's that too Um, and I don't know uh, like some of the other things in here like the the supernatural elements are, are they're a little vague and they're also they're hinging on Ian's perspective of as a narrator that we know is like sloshed half the time right so it's really hard to to split the hairs to where are the things he's encountering him or is it weird hollow earth strangeness going on that would have just so happened to be in this area that his father moved them? like the coincidences are a little weird unless his father moved
0: out there on purpose that's tracking down the weird space that's actually kind of what my assumption is: is that he that his father did move there. Uh,
1: yeah, and I'm thinking that too. Um, specifically because Ian uh, said, you know, he's he found um, arrowheads like flintknapped mm-hmm. arrowheads that were like the stone and shape of them aren't they were unusual, like ones you you couldn't find and you couldn't find in any book or anything. Mm-hmm. And they're of a stone that he couldn't name. He couldn't look it up. Uh, and then the weird edifices that kind of start coming out of the ground are of that same stone. Um, I'm inclined to agree that uh, it's not coincidence, but design that like this stuff is happening. Uh, why it's happening now, I don't know. Like, that's just...
0: So C- I'm going to, so I'm going to, I'm going to do a real, I'm going to do some quick, like, um, completely baseless speculation, um, <laughs> in regards to this. So there, the, uh, one thing that we know is that, um, their mother died somehow. Uh, it's never explained. Um, their father has recently passed. Uh, and I think that there was that given his experience, uh, his probable experience, uh, the decision to specifically move out to this location, that it is entirely possible that Ian's father uh, used his mother as a sacrifice to these people, these hollow earth people uh to sate them. And now that, and as he, uh, aged and grew older, uh, the, that there were no more sacrifices, possibly. He might've used cattle because there's a, there's talk of like the awful stench in the barn, uh, and, uh, smells coming up from cracks in the cement floor, um, that Ian assumes is sewage, but wonders how sewage ran uphill, Uh, I think that his father was placating whatever uh, civilization existed under him, and now that he's gone, they are simply, because we talked about the cattle mutilations uh, and attacks, and they are now coming up to hunt, gather... um, but but they've been du- they've been making these excursions to the top side for a while because as you mentioned with the arrowhead, um, somebody broke into their house at one point and ransacked uh, his arrowhead collection, but only took the green one that he couldn't identify. Um,
1: yeah, yes, th- uh, yeah, and and um, Ian's. Analysis of—he's like, interested in the, those things too. Like or he's at least informed about them. And when he's looking at this, um, the fort he was digging like ends up becoming like a pit, right. and it starts sprouting the stones, which he can't explain. And he's trying to measure them, and then he comes back the next day, and they're just they're they're forming whatever it is. It's like a village kind of coming up out of the ground. Um right and he's looking at it and he's thinking oh this looks just like the sacrificial pits um uh that the uh mesoamericans would chuck sacrifices down into right which is that that would put in line with what the father could have been doing um about his wife i Again, that's like conjecture, but it fits with what's going on and yeah. then all of a sudden his his the, he's having a, a an argument with his brother and sister um and they both disappear. He thinks they just went to go get a hotel and not have to deal with him or the house um, for a little bit, but signs show that instead they were probably dragged off into the pit, mm-hmm and he had done, has, they, they had buried his father's lighter as the, as the one request that his father had made um he wanted to keep it or sell it because it was worth something at that point but um he he sees the lighter like that had buried um you know
0: glinting at the edge of the pit yes like on a staircase or yeah. is that yeah That has now just developed (laughs) in the, in, in the pit. Um, this one, yeah, this one's, uh, it's, um, it's Lovecraft obfuscated by, like, PTSD, if that makes any sense.
2: Yeah, because that's,
0: well, they're all dealing with that, like um...
1: They're dealing with it because of their father's actions, and their father was probably, you know, ninety-nine percent dealing with that from his experiences in Vietnam, right?
0: But not the expected Vietnam experience, but a uh, oh yeah, by the way, I I touched the Eldridge truth uh, while I was in Vietnam. Uh, and I'm sure no one will believe me, so I'm just not even going to bother. I'm just going to ha- let everyone assume that it, it's it's PTSD from Vietnam itself.
1: Yeah. So I I definitely um, on that in this vein, I'm recommending for people to watch *Marebito* because it it deals directly with this information. And deals with potentially it's ambiguous ending to where uh the the main protagonist could have seen crazy things or he may have just gone insane. Because he was right. off of his
0: medication. But you can like uh, take take it out of the way. And I'm going to suggest that uh listeners uh either read or uh listen to a really fantastic Uh, Audio production uh, on on YouTube of The Mound, uh, which, while it slightly informs the story, uh, would be closer to whatever uh, Ian's father experienced uh, (laughs) in Vietnam, uh, which would help and inform uh, opinions on uh, what one thinks is going on in this story. Yep, that's what I've got for this.
1: Uh, yep, that is that one. Uh, and our final strange tale uh, is Film modded. Uh, um, yeah. Not to be confused with Film Audit. We're not auditing, the film is Modit. Um, yeah, this is Leslie. Leslie is a uh, kind of gorehound.
0: Oh, okay. That's what you're going with? Because I, I was going to go with Leslie is a garbage person with garbage opinions, and, and that too is, and is like one of the worst uh, uh, um, viewer angled uh, characters. <laughs> for viewer-centered characters for a story he's, that he's, I've... He's that guy. Yeah. Uh. Like, like, the worst one that I've encountered in a while. Like, its it's really hard for me... for... for me... To get me to a point where I'm just like, man, I actually really just want to get through this story because I'm really tired of being chained uh, to this person's point of view. <laughs> but uh, Leslie somehow managed to make me uh, to, to, to trigger that response, uh, which is very impressive. I guess that's a sign of really good writing. <laughs>
1: Yeah, uh, I would have preferred it to be, um, the, uh, I don't think it So the, he, he loves to go visit this, like, it's a video store called The Human Wreckage, which, yep, is great. And they just have bootlegs and ridiculous, crazy films. Out. But Paula, the, worker there is more interesting and you only get to see her for a few minutes I maybe mean, like <laughs> you should have seen um Leslie goes there he he has memorized the entire stock that the store has uh he's kind of pretentious and gross and he never buys anything yep so he's that he guy he is that guy <laughs> and we're stuck with him as the as the narrator and it's not even the narrator, he's just like the, just the main, we're following him in his gross shoes, and he's not a good person, he's, he's like mistreating his daughter who's developmentally challenged, it's, he's a terrible dude, so you can't like, it's a weird case of, I'm interested enough to follow along with him because I want to see what happens to him. Sort right. of in the way when you're watching, uh like a slasher film, and then there's your, there's there's the characters that get dispensed with quickly, or they're doing something bad. And you're going, yeah, like you don't want to go. Like maybe they deserve that because people usually don't, but they're not making it any easier to on their own case. Like they're making their
0: case for themselves, and it's bad.
1: <laughs> Leslie,
0: like, oh. it. Leslie is a character out of one of the, like, early to mid-2000s, like, slasher movies. He's he's one of the guys
1: that went, he went on a trip to somewhere in Europe and he got hostiled.
0: Yeah, he's he is like he is like straight up a character from the the House of Wax remake where they're all kind of irredeemable and they trick the audience into cheering for their demise.
1: Yeah, and I I don't know. I I'm I'm not I'm not even lukewarm on Leslie. What I do like is what this is positing yes um the story is good i don't like the person but right again i think that that's just uh, for this to unfold and for what happens to 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 to, to do it's got to be like that's this what kind i was going to say yeah, because that's anyone exactly what else that's reasonable point. wouldn't this they wouldn't be put in this situation. Right. So, the long and short of it is he uh is shown a flyer for a film festival by Paula and the flyer itself looks pretty shady and it has that vibe of like mm, maybe the ring, something that's cursed. Uh, mm-hmm. or, or, a, uh, it's, it's a, it's a mimetic.
0: Oh, right. Yeah. It, yeah. Problem. It, it, yes. It, it's literally, literally this, this wouldn't have happened if he did not become aware of it. Yes. Like becoming aware of, of 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 this film festival once again, I'm using big air quotes. Uh, is the thing that invites him into like the, the is the threshold that invites him to the horror of the story.
1: Yeah, I get the same. Um, so what this reminds me of is there's the uh, it's not Feast of the Harlequin. It's um, maybe it was it's the it's this, the the Ligotti tale where the um the m- music the music appreciators the dude that goes up
0: into to go listen to the concert
1: oh. and it's like Alley. you don't don't go there it's the bug right. people that eat your brain yeah um,
0: yeah yeah, they, yeah this is the Spider Quartet yeah and, th- uh, this and is that, that. <laughs> where that,
1: that guy wasn't yeah. a good protagonist either you're just like uh nah. I mean you don't want to see this happen to anybody but, like, it's only certain kind of people that are going to be put in that situation in the first place. Mm-hmm. Like, this right. dude just loves to see schlock film, like, euro sleaze, trash films, and what I, what I love is, I, I'm pretty sure that, like, it's 70% made-up stuff, and then, like, Slatsky tossing in actual directors and uh, films. So, an example would be Um, in the beginning, he's reading a description of the Japanese VHS import of an orgy of entrails. I don't think that's a real film, however. But it sure does sound like one. Well, there's, there's a two, uh, not see the kind of loose sequels. Um, entrails of a virgin and entrails of a beautiful woman. Uh, that (laughs) is probably what it's riffing on. Right uh and then he's looking at like strange the on the on the flyer it's like lust of the vampirist uh, the slut and doll humiliation at the abattoir yeah. fest so i don't think those are real movies but you don't have to look hard to find ones that are like the, in, in that vein or like a, a, a
0: word off is <laughs> another movie um but um, um Le- Le- leslie is 100 percent that kid uh you knew in like when you were like a a freshman or junior in high school that watched faces of death way too many times and yeah, um, also and never grew out of it like emotionally whatsoever <laughs> that's no that's it, that is
1: and um you know, he, he's uh the thing is, he's not a great person. Um, no, not at but all. But he's he's at least mm, he has an appreciation and a knowledge of like older stuff. But that 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 can't be enough to build. You can't build your personality on that alone, right? And and also, you need to not be a garbage person
0: and also the his his the older stuff that he has an appreciation for is just is the kind of stuff that you can't like engage uh, like you have to be very uh discerning in engaging people with it because it's not for everyone it's not general topic like my knowledge is like Oh, I, uh, you know, I know about televisions. It's literally like he's, his, his thing is, yeah, I like splatter gore films. Uh, I, uh, you, I, I'm almost positive that at one point, because I, I didn't, I, I didn't actually get a chance to reread this one uh, before the podcast, uh, like I did the others. Uh, but doesn't he like say that he, he's he's, he thought he was watching an actual stuff film, but he he decided that it wasn't. Like that's the kind of person that Leslie is, and it's
1: real gross. Yes, um, so yeah, and he's he's quoting like the oh, this has the um the oscillator. He's like, that's what they used in you know such and such films, and he's like, oh, it's like sense around that they used in earthquake or um, uh, Gaspar Noe. Um, Use something like it when he when he did irreversible and played a you know <clears throat> a specific frequency that makes you dis, like uncomfortable. Yeah, um, and he's like, that's the height of cinema, like that feeling. And then uh, Paula specifically, uh, she, he was he was talking to Paula about the, the film fest, and she says films were something else back then. Who needs character development, mise en scene, narrative, mm-hmm. camera placement? Um, and she's just, like, calling out his his um, fervor for, like, weird gimmicky stuff. Yeah, like schlocky. Yeah. Like, William you can have Castle an appreciation stuff. for that, but, like, saying that that is the be-all the and height. end-all <laughs> of cinema is weird. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, so she's showing him that poster he's like oh you're gonna go to the festival and she's like no she has stuff to take care of and he's like i should probably be taking care of my daughter but i'm gonna go anyway and yeah um i remember that theater like i so here's where this one deals in in childhood memory is his um his formative years of the things he i say formative but it's stuff he never let go uh he had a, I think a kind of a nasty childhood, and he used, um, this, uh, kind of budget cinema place, um, as his escapism. But that became like a defining trait for him. Like, he, right. he, he, he used that, and then it just became his, his identity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's, that's not cool. No. <laughs> um so he's he's relying on those memories and he's kind of trafficking in that and then he, uh, he's it, that's informing his decisions but he's also had a bunch to drink mm-hmm. and then calls himself on it going oh i i could get the faster if i was driving but i can't get another dui so i'll just take the public transport while i'm drunk
0: yeah so i mean that's that's good. that's
1: good like yes don't drink and drive but y- you've got other responsibilities he's just like totally shirking them to go watch it
0: and and film. i think i think that's also an interesting aspect of the story and one of the reasons why like when you when we first introduced leslie he just seems like that that guy that like we said that guy but he's constantly telling on himself, to yeah. himself.
1: Like, so like, he's self-aware that he's disgusting.
0: Right. But
1: he doesn't care. Exactly. Like, he's not willing to put the effort to, like, make himself a reasonable human being. Uh, it, it, and It's not a personality flaw to him. No. No, it's like he's proud of it. That's what it is. He's he's proud of being trash and that's not cool. No. I don't
0: especially like... in the like because it's it's everything is framed around him. It's framed around like I'm upset that my my uh my daughter urinated on herself even though she has developmental issues and I'm fully aware of that. She should know better uh my girlfriend is is a hassle and 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 she shouldn't be because this stuff the, these films these movies the, the things that i want to do are the most important and all of these other things are distractions and they drive me insane like his resentment for the life that he allowed for himself uh is is Intolerable as a reader. Once yeah. again, it's really effective writing. It's really good, but he is. It is. It is. He is a miserable point of view character.
1: Yeah, he he's taken things that should be escapism from the troubles of daily life um, to a, a new height of like. It's not escapism. It's like the purpose for being. Mm-hmm. And he's just absolved himself of all responsibility and, and personal development there's a lot like this there's no redeeming qualities of this of this man um yeah. so the, the 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 thrust of the narrative is that there's a the the film fest is. Hosting um, a screening of film Moddit, which is a, a a cursed film, which only had like a, a weekend screening back in 1976, and uh, had, had um, the promoters paid people to stand outside and give terrible reviews and saying the movie, if you watch it, it makes you go crazy and makes you sick, and so it <laughs> it, it it gave it like it's. A legendary status in the underground film community. Uh, so he's um, he's super excited. Like he can't miss this screening of it because it's never going to happen again, probably. Right. Um,
0: Especially with
1: the oscillator. With the oscillator involved, and maybe they're using the oscillator. Like it, it gets it, it, it just starts going downhill. Uh, what, the, what film audit? Uh, film modded uh, is is this uh, trope of a accursed piece of cinema. Um, there was so this collection was written in 2015, or at least it was put out published in 2015, which is, probably means it was written like a year before or so. Um, uh, that all of that is to say that there's a, a movie um, that came out in 2018 called Antrum. And Antrim is the deadliest film ever made. It's it's a mockumentary film on, um, uh, about a movie made in the seventies, um, that is cursed and, uh, like the, any screenings it was put out in, um, the, the theaters burnt down and the people went insane. Um, so it's been, uh it's been released like the, the, they they found a version of it and released it digitally um in 2018 is mm-hmm. the the backstory of Antrim, and the the movie itself is around it's, it's surprisingly enough it's dealing with um childhood and grief uh it's about a young brother and sister and uh Someone in the family has died, I believe. Or is their dog? I think it's their dog. They're they're trying to bury their dog in the woods. Um, and the sister has told her little brother um, that the the dog is going to hell. Or maybe the parents of the dog is going to hell unless they do this ritual. So they go out into the woods to, to do this ritual to summon the devil to take the dog. I don't, I saw the movie one time, so it was, it's my knowledge of it. <laughs> what happened is a little off. Um, basically, the sister's like, kind of, she's, she's, she's made up this weird occult book to, to help her brother out. Mm-hmm. Um, but when they go do the ritual, it's like actually summoning the, the devil. Right. Uh, and as the film goes on, if there's a lot of subliminal messages, there's um uh, uh, sigils and things like kind of flash on the screen or appear in different parts um of the movie and it's mm-hmm. uh it's all based on um uh <textures> Astaroth and uh Raphomet and um weird occult symbols and rites uh so those things are meant to like summon a demon and curse the viewer mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like 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 literally right. as you're watching the movie right uh, right it i can't say that it's a good movie but it's worth watching mm-hmm. like it's it's very well done uh if there was a cursed movie, it's got to be this. Like this is how you would do it, <laughs> right? Uh, so I, I can kind of like recommend it on that on that note. Uh, additionally, there's um, uh, episode eight in season one of um, Masters of Horror uh, it has the film Cigarette Burns, which is star stars Norman Reedus as a um, a. a He's yes, he's a film, a rare film dealer, and he's trying to save his theater. And he 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 is hired to go find a. He's hired by Udo here uh, to go find a print <laughs> of a, the film La Finde Absolute du Monde. Uh,
2: mm-hmm.
1: And if you see that film, um, that one sparked a riot, and um, it was only shown the one time. So he, he has to try to find it, um, and it. I just have to watch it. I can't. I don't even want to like spoil how bizarre and great this is. But again, um, it's uh it's called cigarette burns because in in portions of the the film, real, um, in both the in 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 the La Fin du Monde and in the movie you're watching about finding a cursed movie. Um, mm-hmm. There's the little cigarette burn marking where the reel was, like, spliced. Right. Um, that pops up, so you see it, too. Uh, like, the ring. <laughs> so, right. it's... Um, it's that. That's what this story is kind of about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... The thing that makes him insufferable aside from all the bits we talked about, was he, he goes to the, the, the theater that had been supposedly renovated and is being used for this film festival. It's clearly not renovated. It's falling apart. It is disgusting on the inside. Um, there, he, he, he doesn't see anyone in the ticket window. The doors are locked. It's dark. Um, so it doesn't make any sense for what he's doing, but he's like still drunk. So you're getting a drunk dude. Like his logic isn't isn't um up to par. Like it, you, right, you, you you can excuse it being him and him being drunk. Anybody else would not do the thing. Like they're they're yes. just gonna leave
0: if they even went to this in the first place. I I mean I I mean I honestly believe that he w- even if he wasn't drunk he, I mean, would, he still he would have went do it yeah yeah he's just that invested in
1: all of this um yeah he goes around the side and sees like weird mannequin parts and that's, that old lady that, and, and that in yeah. the ticket who
0: eventually shows up in the ticket booth who doesn't
1: take his money she just gives him a stamp on his hand and his hand gets scratched and then he when he he sees her from behind he's like his brain can't process that it's, it's like it could be a person, but it looks like just a lump of things in the, in a, in a uniform or whatever. clothes. Yeah. So that's not enough for him. Um, he's like, the concession stands look, I mean, it's all dark. Uh, there's mold and junk everywhere. And it's like, oh, well, good thing I wasn't hungry. You know, it's like, what? He's <laughs> just making excuses, like weird, the weirdest, trying to convince himself. Um, and so he goes and sits and watches a couple movies, um, there's, there's movies playing, there's people in there, people, that's the other patrons, that's, we use that loosely because no one's described, they're just kind of like lumpy forms, uh, there's someone, maybe they're masturbating to the movie, it's real weird, and all signs of like never go, don't go there, like it's it's the silent hill of theaters. it's really bad, and then he it, thinks it's he attributes it to like maybe they have the oscillator running, so it's just making him hallucinate,
0: yeah, right, yeah. yeah, I'm just gonna assume that this is what's happening uh regarding this device that I've never seen, and no one can accurately describe the effects of that uh, I'm,
1: yeah so what what this did for me though um and another piece of media, which we've already covered, uh, is in the mouth of madness. And at yes. the end, when Sam Neill is just gone crazy, and it's the end of the world, and he's watching himself watch himself on the theater uh, mm-hmm. is the screen, is this? But but Sam Neill's character is like he was a jerk, but you get what's going on, and right. you understand the madness. Leslie, yes. there's nothing redeeming to want to, like... The, you could have put, like, a less horrible character and have, some, have this happen to them, uh, and it would have just... It would have been more palatable, I think? Maybe? I Because I can't go, oh, this is terrible, and this guy deserves this horrible stuff because he's just a trash person. It's just more, like, disappointing going... He can't even appreciate the terror that's going on around him. Mm-hmm. Like it's horrible stuff, and he's just—he's <sighs> entered a nightmare that he doesn't care if he wakes up from.
0: Yeah, kind of. Uh, because it's the, it's the it's the only thing that he wants. It's the it, once again, it's it, it's his it's his only personality trait. It's he because there is nothing behind uh, like beyond like these like there these video nasties to to take a phrase um but actual video nasties as opposed to just like horror movies uh he he there's nothing to him this is this is the world that he deserves because it's the only thing that matters to him so when the Un- really unpleasant reveal happens, like, he's n- not really affected, because like, he's both, like a- I mean, he is, he he, he right. gets
1: all messed up, and he's the, the curse of the film is showing the viewer the things that they ruined mm-hmm because it's 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 showing him his daughter in like a terrible way, right? You know, um, but yeah, it doesn't have. It's just him getting like hemmed in into this theater in a dream. It's a weird like. He the the oscillator or whatever is like giving him putting him into a weird dream state, and then stuffs weird, spindly people are touching him. It's like
0: it's very strange. Yeah, it's 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 somehow too much, and also exactly what he deserves, both at the same time.
1: Yeah, and then, so the film is showing him his failure, like, as a human and a father, and then it, it, I'll just do a little bit, um... It keeps showing him terrible stuff, and then he's like, Stop the film, please, Leslie whimpered. After Samantha, his daughter, had failed to develop normally, Leslie quickly realized that watching a loved one suffer the pangs of existence would slowly destroy him as well. It wasn't his fault she'd never have a normal life. It wasn't his choice to be saddled with the responsibility for a girl that would never read a book without assistance, drive a car, or graduate from college. He knew he was selfish and petty and abusive, but existence was all that and more. The universe wasn't apathetic; it simply had the obscene sense of humor, and Leslie was the victim of a general, pra- gen- genetic pratfall. He'd named Samantha. Uh,
0: yeah, this is where, like, I to- like, he totally lost me. And, like, he, uh, l- I mean, like, it- irreparably lost me because it's once again, it's, it's about how this person's issue affects me, and it's the only thing that actually matters. Like how anything affects me is the only thing that actually matters, and I'm like, yeah, cool, all right, dude. Whatever miserable fate befalls you is more than deserved because you you need to go. You don't get. You are are no longer. You have been expelled from the human race because you are just trash. Yes, um
1: as the intertitle of the f- the final intertitle of the film modest states scavengers scary from the sewers to lap at the wet afterbirth of night. Uh yeah, have fun with that, Leslie. Yeah. Uh I like the idea of what this is doing. mm
2: mm-hmm. Mhm.
1: I don't mm, I can't even. So the executed. Everything is fine. Uh, It's a terrible fate for a terrible person. He's not a likable protagonist. You're not meant to like him. Uh, This is probably. It's not like a weak entry, it's just a lesser favorite. I I don't find as much um, in this one because Mm -hmm. Leslie lays out exactly what's. Because it's not ambiguous in what it's talking about, mm-hmm. you don't really need to interpret more than what it's showing you because it's it's showing that, yes, he's a terrible person that made terrible decisions and doesn't take responsibility for them, and now he's being punished for that lack of like motivation.
0: Right. I I think the thing that will make this uh difficult for for people to to either get through or appreciate because I like, I don't like Leslie, uh, but I appreciate uh, that this fictional character has managed to create uh, uh, th- these real um, feelings it, within me. And I think the thing about it is that once again, Leslie is a person that. Mm-hmm. Mit- i knew and and i suspect many people knew like growing up uh you know because of because of your my specific generation we knew kids like this and we also kind of knew that they would probably grow up to be people like this as well So, the only takeaway from the story, ultimately, is, man, uh, he got what he deserved. Man, I know that there are actual people out there that are just like this guy, and that doesn't make me feel very good.
1: No, because it's a a story that you can see coming from the beginning, Mm -hmm. and you don't want it to be this is a few one of the few cases where it's like I really don't I want him to learn from his lessons and grow and become a human right that's not going to happen no No. and we knew it wasn't going to happen so really it's just kind of a weird disappointment (laughs) yeah uh uh-huh you
0: you like like he, he
1: he he swerved left when he should have just gone right the whole time and right. you're just it's like watching it's like watching a car crash. It's like watching yeah. these films. Some of these yeah. films it's rattling off like irreversible. I've seen that film. Do I feel better for it? No. No. Um that gave me nothing other than going, well, this was very well crafted, but yeah. I don't need to watch it again ever. Yep. Um Yeah. This this story is the oscillator. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> like it's an it's yeah. an art it's an artifice for making you feel bad, uh, and that's that's to the that's to the full credit of um, Mr. Slatsky. Like this was, I don't have to like it to appreciate it, You're right? If, if that if that makes sense. Well, because it's so well realized. Yeah. This is I I, I like the end result. Mm-hmm. and it couldn't have been any other way and that's that's Leslie he couldn't have been any other way this right. wouldn't, wouldn't have worked so I mean on that
0: like good good job <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah 100% like once yeah like you said you, uh, you you can walk away from something not liking it but having an appreciation for it because of the level of craft that was put into its creation
1: yeah this is the least favorite of all of the stories but i i the theme and the idea of the cursed film uh is i love i love that mm-hmm. uh so uh in a way aren't we all less than know <laughs> uh, you know, no, I was, I, we are I not was... all Leslie, but I do understand because I, I have an, I, I like the tingler. I, I like the idea of the oscillator and people, you know, experimental cinema. We sat through, we sat through Begotten and we sat yeah. through, um, the, the sleep has her house. That is, those are this film. And right. I, I have an appreciation for them, but I right. don't build me around those things, and that's the difference.
0: Right. Uh, I it, it it was funny. It just occurred to me uh, to to take a line from uh, from our first story. All the children have mirrors, and it's the the screen is just Leslie's mirror reflecting his failures. Yeah, back on him and yeah. him onto it in infinum
2: yeah
0: he's he has a
1: mirror and it's behind him too so uh yeah it's it's well written uh the ideas are great Uh, i mean this again this wouldn't work with a different well it's it's not going to be as effective uh, if you don't have like this flawed of a human uh just being torn to shreds um so that being said it's not for everyone. Uh it's not an uplifting story. The other ones mm, even uh tellurian facade is not that all of them are dealing with again as we mentioned um trauma, grief, uh, childhood issues that you try to like they they inform you as an adult. Um and yeah. it's just about how you deal with them. Uh so none of them are easy to read, like as mm. in like they're they, they're going to give you some level of emotional distress. I think, uh, right. and it, it's just going to depend on how much you relate to them. Mm. And our our relation to Leslie is in um, the fact that yes, I do know all the things he's referring to. Like I'm aware of it. Like that. I get it. Like that stuff interests me too on a, a level, um, but it's not a definitive thing to where like I, I'm, I never informed myself based on those interests alone, right? Because you'd be very one dimensional and probably a terrible person. Not for liking mm-hmm. those things, but for by but by using that as something to create your whole personality right. Because it's it's not those things individually that are like any problem.
0: Uh, if Leslie could not talk about th- this genre of film, Leslie would have nothing to talk about. Yeah, he he
1: wouldn't be anything. Like he he's literally like um, avoided everything else to the to the soul to the not the exclusion yeah to the exclusion. He's excluded everything for the inclusion of this only. Right, like he lives for just this, and that's sad,
0: yes, but also not sad because the, the, he 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 made the decision to become this, <laughs> oh, yeah, no, everything he's done has been his
1: willing his willingness to be selfish, yeah,, yeah. so yeah, that's um that's our t- <laughs> two hours later uh yeah that's these three uh tales from Electromancer and other weird tales
2: two, I, two I, hours I, later I,
1: I know i liked all of them Mm-hmm. no uh, same yeah they're, they're they're worth discussing worth reading uh Again, you can pick up this, if you're not reading along with us, I mean, this is kind of book club so read along with us? If you'd get more out of it, if you're reading them as well as listening to us, take them apart, because we're not doing, like, line by line, scene by scene on these. That would, that would take more than two hours. Yes. Uh Yeah. I think that wraps us up for this episode. <laughs>
0: yeah yeah Uh, (laughs) and i'm sure listeners i'm gonna gonna go watch care bears yes (sighs) uh, wow that's weird i was just i was actually just thinking about uh sorry sorry to extend this already overly long episode even longer but i was just recently thinking about care bears because i was thinking about that evil book from the care bears movie and i was like huh that's actually an interesting effect that I'd probably like to try to recreate like for a film. I like the idea of evil open book with just a face sticking out. Yes. Yes. (laughs) My goodness. Admin time. Yeah. Uh, Dave, where can people find, I forgot I was hosting Dave, where can people find you on the internet?
1: You can find me on Twitter at sentinot underscore plus. Uh, I'm, I'm just retweeting stuff these days as I am felt <clears throat> in the mood, I think, to do a lot of engagement. But I'm there if you send, me, send something at me and I'll talk back to you probably. Uh, you can find uh, Cameron's also on there. Um, as we mentioned, he's been under the weather. Hopefully his foot will feel better soon. Um but you can find him on Twitter at night underscore twin. And that's night without a K
0: Uh, Leonard. How about yourself? People can find me on Twitter as well by searching at Dr. Faust is dead. Hey, guess what? Something new happened on my Twitter feed. I got some new, I uh, paid for some new art that I'm using for that project for that new channel that I'm not talking about until it's finished. But uh, now that that new art has, 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 Uh, been delivered to me Uh, that project will probably be finished hopefully before uh, our next episode uh, next week Uh, fingers crossed on that Uh, and you can also find me on youtube uh, by searching Dr. Faust is Dead. There you're going to find uh, my older video essay work uh, and uh, keep your eyes peeled on my Twitter because once that uh, project that I've been working on is done, I will be announcing it along with my new secondary YouTube channel as well. All right. Uh, and you can find back
1: episodes of the podcast at Monster. Dear Dot Monster, so I think that's us signing off for this one. We'll catch you next time for some vampire and other miscellaneous night creatures action. Yes, finish the, the middle. I think it's the middle of um, season
0: three of the animated Castlevania series. Didn't, didn't we just start? So that we're yeah, three so it's in. yeah, it's, so ten, it's, it, it's a ten episode season. Oh yeah, I guess oh, yeah. we'll so we are. Yeah, middle. Yeah. You're right. Four, four, um, four five, and I, six. I think it's. I, I I forgot how math worked for a second. I don't know <laughs> math. It's not. It's not my strong suit. Anyway,
1: <laughs> we've we've kept you long enough. So, bye, folks. We will catch you next time. Have a good one. Bye bye.